This meeting is being recorded. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cosmic Peach. I'm Julia, and today I have the man, the myth, the legend, William Ramsey from William Ramsey Investigates, and he needs no introduction, but in case you're not familiar, he is an attorney, an author, and a researcher, and he literally blows my mind every single show. And we are so blessed to have him here today to talk to us. How are you, William? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So in light of all the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard madness, I thought that maybe we could talk today a little bit about Johnny Depp, West Memphis 3, and all the occult connections that he's had in his life. Sure. I mean, that goes a long way back. My, yeah. my interest in the West Memphis Three really started, came out of, I wrote my first book in 2010, Prophet of Evil, which is about Aleister Crowley. It's really a biography about Aleister Crowley. So I kind of gave him the title Prophet of Evil. And still, I knew a lot about Crowley at that time. And I was, after I was done with that book, I was researching the follow-up book to that, which I was going to trace Crowley's influence on the 20th century politics and culture, which is, he has a considerable amount of influence. So I was working on that during, I was working on that. I came across a video on YouTube of a trial and it was the West Memphis three trial. And somebody was asking this guy, Damien Eccles about Aleister Crowley and in kind of a Southern drawl, he goes, what do you know about Aleister Crowley? And so I was like, oh, I remember this case because I had seen there were three documentaries about this case. The first one uh, was put out, I think, in 1996 about the West Memphis Three. The crimes happened in 93. And so I had seen that documentary. I didn't really think much about it. But when I because I was kind of primed mentally to spot the occult at that time, I said, oh, I didn't know there was a cult in this case. That was about 2012. And they had, the West Memphis Three had got out of jail in August of 2011. And they got out of jail. There was what they call an Alford plea. And I had just overseen kind of like, okay, they got out of jail. I just assumed that there was something wrong with their original case. And so I just let it go. But once kind of I saw that Crowley was involved in the case, then I was like, oh, I, I should be looking into this too, because I'm looking into kind of Crowley's influence. So that kind of led me into what happened in the West Memphis three. And fortunately I was able to kind of read the court cases. So I was able to uh, go to this place. I don't know. I don't think it's even around anywhere. It was called Callahan's ADK and somebody had gone and got all of the court cases and put them up online. I think they're copied and in, in, in other places right now, but that allowed me to really go back and look at the court case. And the public thing is that during that time, Eccles was on kind of a, publicity campaign he had put i think he hadn't put out a book yet or was about to uh what was it life after death i think was the name of the book so he was on this kind of publicity case uh, kind of racket or routine where when i was researching the book but what became a book when i was re- researching west memphis three and so at the very beginning i was like okay these guys must be innocent because they got out of jail but then i started reading the court case and it was like there's a lot of real stuff in here, but there's a lot of detailed information on the court case. It wasn't just the cases that were separated back in 93. They were both, both parties, Miss Kelly, Baldwin, Eccles, were all found guilty 
on two separate proceedings. So they were bifurcated uh, because of uh, something to do as a technical thing with uh, because Miss Kelly had confessed. They were the two. Mm-hmm. There was basically two juries of twelve people convicting them. Eccles got the death penalty. So I, there was a lot of information, and there also had been an appeal. And if the appeal had went to the Arkansas Supreme Court. So there's different courts looking at this case, and the Arkansas Supreme Court affirmed the lower courts, everything. So they affirmed the death penalty and everything. So during this thing, there was a lot of head scratching, and nobody was really talking about the occult in general at that time, and nobody was really talking about the occult in relationship to the West Memphis Three. And when I was reading through those court documents, the occult's everywhere from the very beginning. Eccles had a very, they call him a dabbler, but he was very much, uh, he said he knew everything on the stand. He knew everything about the the occult. And one of the, and so I, I really saw that. So I started compiling that information. It led to my second book, Abomination, Devil Worship in the West Memphis Three, Devil Worship and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders, because there's tons of deception. Because mm-hmm. you're not telling the truth about a lot of that case. So, um, that there's tons of occult. Eccles had this, this, he had these night visions where he would go riding with this uh, demon who licked his hand and mm-hmm. he was involved in blood drinking. He was in three mental institutions. There's 500 pages of an exhibit from his own defense detailing a lot of his curious mental states is a way to put it. So that was it. And, but one other aspect of that case was that the public relations all said that he was innocent. They always kind of repeat the same kind of phrase, which is convicted for a crime he didn't commit. But there was tons of evidence to show that he was around there and there was a whole family that saw him. The Hollingsworth family saw him near the site of the murders at Robin Hood Hill on the night muddy with either Jason Baldwin or his girlfriend. They weren't sure who it was. And didn't he know like information about the case that was never released? And he was like, well... If it were me, I would think this happened or this happened. And it was like, uh, it was like that book OJ wrote, like, if I did it, <laughs> I was like, well, oh, come on. There were a couple things like that. One was the day after the crime, somebody went and asked him questions. And there, there, that writing is like, what would this person think? And he put all this stuff down on paper. And it sounded like he was the, he was like acting like the person on the court, on the court in court. The prosecutor got him to admit to information that wasn't in the newspaper. So there was something that I have to go back and d- double check that. But if I remember correctly, Price, who was, I think was the was the um, prosecutor, said that this is like uh, he got him to get, to kind of admit to something that I think that wasn't he said that he said that he, lo- he, he read in the papers. Yeah. Yeah, he said that he, if it were him, he would have known that the murderer would have peed in their mouths and had put them in the river because the the river water would have washed the pee out of their mouths and like all this really intricate stuff. And it was like, okay, how do you know that? Right. There was that that element to it, if I remember. It's been a while. I've kind of moved on to no, other books and stuff like that. So I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. But there was a lot of problems, but there was also this publicity issue and the celebrities. So Johnny Depp was one of them, Marilyn Manson, uh, Choi, or she's a comedian. Um, 
Chow. I can't remember what her name is. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was one. Peter Jackson, who was really a kind of a very successful director of the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings movies. So there were, he had a very, a very powerful base of known celebrities that really, I think, propelled his case to the public. And they kind of repeated the same thing. Oh, he was he was found guilty for a crime. This guy's innocent and blah, 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 blah. But they, a lot of them financed it. Johnny Depp and Jackson with their largesse donated a lot of money to get really the, one of the best appellate attorneys out there and get a um, public relations guy out of New York, Lonnie Sowery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reardon was the name of the attorney. So they got really high-powered people involved. And the celebrity aspect was one of the kind of cur- curious things. Like, why are you that interested in this guy? Well, I later find out he, the whole asking him about Aleister Crowley on stand is that he was an acknowledged Thelemite, which is a follower of Crowley. And so I think a lot of these other guys are also interested in the cult. I mean, Marilyn Manson, pretty obviously. Johnny Depp, it took a while to kind of get the gist of kind of what his sensibilities are but i think that looking over my opinion looking over a lot of the celebrities they're fellow travelers with Eccles, and you can actually go right go look at a article from something from the otl like crowley was a a cultist but he got involved in this group called the ordo temple orientis which has little oases they call them or little kind of uh, offices or churches all over the world and he was in one in arkansas and he donated so many books to that arkansas oto they called the library the damien eccles library and the <laughs> name of that article you can look it up right now it's the number of of what he was as a prisoner sk i think it was sk 931 and that's the title of the article and it says that in there that he's an acknowledged telemark which is a very specific term to crowley crowley's ideas of the will so philema is the Greek word for will. Um, so, yeah, so the celebrities, and you see that these guys have matching tattoos and things like that. It's really crazy. So Eccles has, and you can see it on the cover of my book, there's this circle that he uh, designed that actually doesn't, it goes back, I think even uh, got another occultist by the name of Kenneth Anger uses it. So it's a sigil or a circle with Theban alphabet on the outside. And Theban goes all the way back to Greece. It's like a separate alphabet, but the Thebes is kind of like this state where a lot of magicians back in the ancient world uh, existed. So they still use this language. It just has different symbols for like the American, uh, English alphabet. And inside is kind of a sigil. So you'll see this kind of same motif with a lot of the tattoos that Eccles has and a lot of his friends has and Johnny Depp. And I'd be happy to show those to you. But mm-hmm. uh, so... So they're fairly, so you kind of get to that point where you're like, okay, these guys are fellow travelers. So let me, I can show you this. So this is, this is Johnny Depp. So you can see, see that kind of same tattoo sign. That's Eccles before. There it is. Mm -hmm. Fully tatted. This is kind of his transformation into, he's totally, at least from the waist up, he's covered in tattoos now. But this Mm -hmm. is him. Mm -hmm. And then they're sharing. Another tattoo here. Let's see if I can do this. There's a bunch of there's tons of pictures and videos of these two guys together. BFFs. Yeah. <laughs> Eccles and pal Johnny Depp. He fought for his release. And so this is um 
this this picture is actually of this is a very the guy in the middle here is a well-known tattoo artist whose name I can't remember right now, but he's in Hollywood. And yeah, you can he looks see like have, a skeleton. Yeah, these have the same I Ching kind of symbolism here. And uh, yeah. And then they've gone on tour together. He's I mean Depp is and you and Depp, you you can check out Depp's tattoo. I think there's even kind of a website where Depp has there's a list of all the Depp tattoos and all their meanings and stuff. But they don't include some of the Eccles tattoos, which is interesting. So here they are together. I think people have kind of keyed in more, much more to their personal inclinations now than they knew back in 2012. Maybe the insiders knew. But I think it's become more public. As more people have kind of looked through it, have kind of uh, checked out, you know, kind of did the background checks and then they're like, oh, okay, this is, but there's tons. I mean, here, this is kind of like the adulation of these guys back in the day. So this was September 21st. I can do this in New York city when Eccles is on tour. And I don't think the audio will come through, but they're walking together. That's Johnny Depp behind Damien Eccles. Can you see that? Oh yeah. Yeah. No big deal. Just yeah. passing through. Yeah, so Look at all the <laughs> clapping and I know I was going to really, say it's like, yeah. Wow. These guys are heroes. He was yeah. convicted yeah. for a crime. So it's a lot of like getting into other people's minds as going on with this case. I think that's very important. So, And if they knew how grotesque the murders were, yeah, the people I mean, right, there's no reason they, to clap for him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? There's there's a lot of yeah the group murders were I mean we uh, we can get into some of the details but it was not yeah yeah go ahead because well, some people like, might not be a hundred percent familiar with the the murders themselves right it was three young boys they were eight years old and uh, I think it was more buyers and I can't remember the other kid's name now they were out biking late at night disappeared. Uh, there was a huge, everybody was looking for them. The next day they were found in water. Two of them had been tied. They had been tied in a very strange manner where like uh, wrist to ankle and the autopsy two had drowned. And another one had had his male genitalia degloved and he bled out. And that was his cause of death. So it was a very vicious uh, crime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was later blamed on these uh, prehistoric snapping turtles but the snapping turtles didn't tie anybody up and throw them in water or whatever you know so who, who did i've never know? met a snapping turtle that can hog tie a person right so there's a lot of problems with that and so you can see uh depp here with Eccles, and this is the director who's friends with them berlinger he has tons of documentaries on netflix he's still very active but he was involved in all three of the documentaries which i think gave hbo a bad name in my opinion because um they just were deceptive the the second one blamed buyers as the stepfather kind of didn't blame it made him look like a suspect and both Eccles and and baldwin said in that documentary they were 100 percent sure it was that stepfather and then the third one they, they switched the stepfather blame to hobbs which he seems to be the main target right now is Terry Hobbs. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that it switched should really give people 
pause or they should pause and really look into why that Baldwin and Eccles, um, why they decided to, why, why they switched their, from one stepfather to another when they were 100% sure it was uh, buyers at the time. At the time, it's interesting. Why, the, the comments are on 777. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, strange numbers, but mm-hmm. there's all kinds of stuff like that in the cult. You, I have like a whole, uh, Damien Eccles, like here's Damien Eccles and the devil. I have a whole, I have, you can check this out on, I think my YouTube channel, if it's still up, but these were kind of old stuff, but, uh, there's just tons of them together chatting and, and Damien, uh, you look in, you know, he's making all your kind of standard Illuminati signs and stuff. Uh, he's for, oh, and Depp, I mean, some of the stuff they don't contextualize that Depp was really good friends with this character, Hunter S. Thompson, who, uh, you know, was really uh, a creep. And he's wearing uh, his stuff, Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson is a whole other story in itself. But uh, he mm-hmm. took, when, when Hunter S. Thompson died, he took Hunter S. Thompson's ashes and spent a million dollars blowing it up into the sky. So that was like kind of his thing. And Thompson, there's all kinds of allegations about that guy and snuff loans and really gnarly, nasty stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say, yeah. Anyway, so Depp is, I don't know what their relationship is now, but back then they were a lot closer. Depp was willing to be seen with Eccles with greater frequency, but I don't know if that's the case anymore. There's tons of pictures. So what do you think his obsession was with getting him out? Well, I think that they're fellow travelers in the occult, is my opinion. That's that's what I think it was. And so Mm -hmm. there's something about Eccles that all of them admired or, you know, something happened, something that about him that they all felt like they had to, you know, Get him out. Look out for yeah, each yeah, other. Was, possibly, yeah. I mean, there's definitely something sub Rosa that I don't know about. So I don't know about all the inside stuff, but uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah, it's that's big. He these yeah, these are very dark. In my opinion, they're very dark people, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. he. I mean, then the other thing is like these guys connect Eccles. When he was on in, on the stand at 18 years ago, he said, I know everything about the occult. And he's still doing that. He's still putting out books on the occult to this day. I think he's close to 40 or 45. I don't know how old he is. But I really see him as kind of like somebody carrying that uh, cult torch. And he mm-hmm. clearly has a thing for, for Aleister Crowley. So it wasn't just mentioned in court, but it's in his Instagram and on his Twitter feeds and stuff like that. He quotes Crowley all the time. Oh, not all the time. But he qu- quotes Crowley. So, and it gets really deep. There's groups that are very dark that the public the public knows about the Church of Satan or the Temple of Set. Yeah, there's dark stuff. Really, dark, it gets very dark. So, yeah, I mean, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. That's why I started podcasting. Is because it's like I told you before. There was like this, this wash of propaganda that everyone just, they're, they're innocent. There's no way they committed these crimes. And everyone was like, Oh, look at Johnny Depp. He's our, he's our, um, hero. He, he got, 
Damien free for, and it, it, it's just like, I don't know. Well, I mean, they, they put themselves like angels of light. Like the man, they really, in my opinion, they really they attacked the legal system. So they said the legal system is flawed and, you know, the, the, we were railroaded. These terms come up. Fundamentalist Christians. I get called a fundamentalist. I'm not a fundamentalist <laughs> at all. Uh, I may have some fundamental kind of views, but I, I'm definitely not a member of a fund, fundamentalist church. So they looked at the, it was very easy to kind of stereotype or caricature the legal system. Uh, and a lot of people fell for that. And I do think that they got a fair trial. I think they had decent attorneys. And the fact is the system itself has these levels of appeals. You can appeal your court, your case. They were appealed to the, the highest court in Arkansas that you can go read that uh, decision where they go through everything that happened in the lower court. And they affirmed everything. And then they actually, his attorneys, Echo's attorneys, he's been through like five or six attorneys. Nobody really knows how many attorneys <laughs> he's been through, except for him. They appealed, they had a writ of certiorari to the United States Supreme Court. And the, the Supreme Court wouldn't take that case because there was nothing to take. They, they usually only take cases where there's differing opinion or injustice or something they really want to comment on. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen. So the people leave all these little uh, snippets or pieces of this whole, it's really a saga at this point. They leave little pieces of like that out. Um, but yeah, so the propaganda, I think, really did work. I mean, I it was hard. Like when I came out with my book, I definitely reaped the whirlwind because I was in a very small community at that time. I know their community actually did exist of people who said, hey, this guys were, these guys were justly tried. And those, I kind of came into that community. But the majority was really like, oh, you're, these guys were, you know, unjustly convicted. And it's really hard to crack because even uh, the book at the time, Devil's Not, kind of went out and supported them. So that was kind of the book of note that became a movie, which really I don't think is very good. So people I didn't like it. So people were relying upon that. And the author of that book has a curious background, too, if you want to really have a bad day. It's like Rosemary's mm. Baby. We're, we're, look at Johnny Depp's background, his relationships. Look at, uh, uh, what's her name? The author of Devil's Knot is, uh, he'll come to me. Look at her friends. Look at her background. And so you're like, ooh, wow. So that this is the book of note. And uh, so, yeah, so it was, there was very few people saying, hey. And I still say, I've never really changed. Like, I think they were just convicted back in 94. Interesting thing people forget about, too, is that in August 2011, they had to plead guilty again to get out. So they pled guilty to first-degree murder again. So they were found guilty, and then they pled guilty for time served. I think they served 17 or 19 years. But that's a guilty plea again. It doesn't matter if it's an Alford plea or not. It just gives it that name Alford because that's a Supreme Court case where a guy would be allowed to publicly proclaim his innocence while pleading guilty. So they're really guilty at law. So when people make this misstatement, they're not guilty. It's not the right way to use that terminology because they are current. They were guilty and they were under, they had 10 years of uh, probation that just ended last year, but they were found guilty and that guilty plea. And it's very interesting. It's never been overturned. So they said they were going to fight when they got out. There was this 
statement that they were going to get out and find the people who really did it, but they haven't found those people yet. It's been, <laughs> it's been like uh, 11 years. And I yeah. would think if I had a guilty con- conviction for mortgage fraud or stealing a box of candy bars from 7-Eleven, I don't know, like, mm-hmm. and I was unjustly done, I would want to make sure that charge was taken off, that I found somebody else who did it or while I was falsely accused just for my benefit, but they have murder charges. Right. That's the <laughs> most serious charge ever. That's the most serious guilty uh, charge. So you would think that they would be vigorously trying to get that overturned. But you know, that hasn't happened. They haven't found that other person, but they always say they're looking for them. But at a certain point, some of these statements, this, the, the people have to realize that these are hollow statements, like when they're not doing it. So, yeah. Anyway. And it's it's like you said, like with Johnny Depp, and even looking at some of the movies that he's been in, it just, in right. his relationship with Manson, Manson right. you have to question what he's really into. I think that's, I think that's important. You have to look at all of his films. From Hell, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, Grindelwald. Charlie Chocolate and the Chocolate Factory, Ninth Gate. Um, mm-hmm. it's so Sleepy many. Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy <laughs> Hollow. There's all kinds of weird stuff in Sleepy Hollow. Like this is, a, I actually have this screenshot for some reason from Depp and Sleepy Hollow, where his like, can you see that? His hand mm-hmm. is like pockmarked with some kind of weird thing. There's all kinds of weird occult stuff in that movie. So yeah, Sleepy Hollow. The list is a long list. So he's he's definitely kind of uh, doing some darker films. There's another one where like he tries. It's like a transhumanism film where he transforms into a computer. I forgot the name of that one. Mm, so, yeah, yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. And it hit the, he was in the movie with some of his pals, uh, Paul Bettany, who who's come up in this court case. So. Didn't oh Edward Scissorhands? Edward Scissorhands, yeah, good. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of really kind of uh, interesting kind of occult type stuff. Um, yeah, so he has an interesting background, and uh, people send me interesting things. Like since I've been kind of out there, people send me some inside information a lot. So there, there's a lot of interest. They did a there was an interesting. Uh, it was, it was, they had a take on Damien Eccles on this kind of inside gossip place called uh, Crazy Days and Nights. Have you heard of Crazy Days and Nights? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they did something about Eccles and like people in Hollywood were getting freaked out, at least with some of these singers and stuff, because they realized, like, what's this convicted guy doing around my family, you know? Mm hmm. And he was friends, too, with Eccles was friends with a guy by the name of Genesis P. Orridge, who I've also studied. He was a heavy-duty occultist as well. So there's just tons of strange connections with this guy. Tons of them. And so how do you feel about the trial that's going on right now? Well, I mean, I think uh, I think they're just grinding an axe against each other is really what I, I sense about it. I don't know why they would want to air their dirty laundry in public forever. So I don't think. It's and I case. think it's like 
a big, huge distraction. Because people love Johnny Depp. No matter what he's done, everybody loves Johnny Depp. And so I feel like we're getting to see him in real life doing his real life drama. And it's not a character he's playing and everyone's getting all obsessed with it. But the, but the thing is, is when you, when you divert your attention to something like that, it distracts you from looking at what's really going on. And I don't know. It's, do you yeah. know anything about Amber? Not in her background. I never really heard anything occult about her. Have you? I mean, I've heard some stuff that she was getting into with like Elon Musk and that dude's not really too, I don't know that people have mixed opinions. Some people are like, Oh yeah, he, he bought Twitter and he's just great. And then some people are like, no, he's shady as hell. So I don't know. Well, if you look at that Neuralink, I don't think his aims on Neuralink are, are very good. Like if you want to have, if you look at technology as dual use, like I have my phone here, but I think I'm using my phone. My phone is using me. I'm being tracked mm-hmm. everywhere I go. They can listen into this thing. They know all the websites I go to. They know me. Somebody, you know, NASA knows me. Can you imagine Neuralink? Like, oh yeah, I'm using this to, to, to you know, do this. You're actually going into psychosurgery areas, which are terrifying because mm-hmm. the, all technology is dual use these days. So that would be, oh yeah, no, it's just benign. I'm using this to uh, turn on the lights. What's it going to do? Well, it's a Trojan horse. Right. Because like, I get it. The, The only way you and I are able to have this conversation right now is through technology, but it also knows everything about me down to like my favorite food, you know, the things that I get on DoorDash, the things that, you know what I mean? Like it it could tell you more things about me than my mother could. <laughs> you know what you're I mean? In, you're in, we're in a kind of new environment that humanity has never been in ever where they know everything about you from birth, like everything. So mm-hmm. that's something that you have to really be, I mean, you want to get, you know, take, uh, you want to keep your privacy, at least in the constitution, there's this idea of unnecessary private, you know, uh, fourth amendment issues, but there, I mean, you're in a state where they know everything. I mean, going back, they can pull up all your records, college records, high school records, criminal records and compile them and really get a real good psychological profile of people. That's how, deep the control is it's a subtle control of our society so we're already i mean this is off topic i know but we're already no, no, past, go ahead. we're already past it's not coming into view it's here like we're in the panopticon we're in that's how intense the, the that's how a lot like a lot of you can't really revolt like you used to because they already know everything about you they know what you're talking about they can anticipate all that stuff they're, the so, government's leaking text messages from a lot of these January 6th people. Mm-hmm, so they, they have mm-hmm. access to all kinds of uh, stuff that you would think the Fourth Amendment would uh, keep from searching and seizing. So, Well, Mr. Ramsey, your take on where we're going as a society, because I've I've been a longtime fan of yours. I know you know about the New World Order stuff and the Luciferian agenda and all the the secret things that are going on in the world. 
So where do you see us going from here? Neo-feudalism. Real neo-feudalism where there's going to be a very small group of people owning everything. And I think we're already there, actually. I think that the whole pandemic really uh, aggregated power up at higher up of the pyramid and really taxation without representation. Cause I think that if which happened in the 2020 election was obviously a massive fraud. Um, there's no mm-hmm. way Joe, Joe Biden got 81 million votes. So you can, <laughs> you can tell me whatever you want. I mean, Obama was supposedly the most popular president had 76 million suppose. I mean, I don't even know how, how accurate those can be, but he supposedly had 76 million. And this guy <laughs> who can't complete a full sentence and mm-hmm. is supposedly has never really uh, campaigned. He took a, like a, a lid for the last seven days of his campaign. He got 81 million votes. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a total joke. So, mean, we, so we, we don't have, but it's a, it's a definition of tyranny. If you vote, but the vote doesn't count or they count the votes, you know, if, if, if the, the, there's no political tie between the will of the people and the politicians. So that's tyranny by definition. It's really mm-hmm. a di- kind of a dic- pseudo dictatorship. So like, well, know, we and, if, if, we well gotta, and if they're Luciferians, I mean, they don't believe that we have any will. So it's like, who, who cares what they do with our no votes? Question. No question. The slave shall serve. And Joe, Joe Biden, when he was lucid, gave New World Order speeches. So if you want to hear his New order, World Order speeches, just like George Bush, you can go and watch my documentary, uh, Prophet of Evil. So I made a documentary over the um, pandemic. But he's, you can probably find that online. So he's one of them. He's on supposedly the left, but that doesn't matter. He's been, a, he's been an entrenched politician for four decades or five decades. He's probably a Mason. He probably hangs out with these guys after hours. And they didn't like somebody who was independent like Trump, who was not part of the program or not networked. And uh, mm-hmm. so they just, they just took the votes and uh, the will of the people doesn't and matter. So. It, right. And so, since we're, we're talking here, about, yeah. you know, Crowley and everything, it just seems like a lot of people are Crowleyites and we don't even realize it unless you kind of look into it. But he, he was a notorious pedophile, right? And yeah. before all this 2020 COVID madness started, we were exposing all this pedophilia stuff and pizza and ping pong and all that. Epstein, and so, right. mm-hmm. and then it was like COVID came along and it just kind of got washed away, you know, swept away and nobody's really commenting on it too much anymore. But I felt like we were really going somewhere with that. And then it just kind of was like swept away and then it was COVID everything. But pedophilia is like at the top of the top of the top of all this. It's how they blackmail each other. It's how they have the power, you know? And so I know you, you, you do some research on like occulted films and directors. And so I'm sure you're already familiar with this, but like Stanley Kubrick, who gave us Eyes Wide Shut and all these super occulted films. Lolita, too, about pedophilia. Lolita. AI was supposed to be Kubrick. And then Spielberg took over. Learn about and him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I feel like Kubrick was showing us his pedophile stuff before we even knew it existed. 
And then you find out that he's linked in with like Arthur C. Clarke, who is another notorious pedophile who is also involved with NASA. Very much so. They and both were actually, they both, both of, uh, both Kubrick and, and Clark at the same time were hanging out with the, this guy Mueller, like Robert Mueller, not the same one, same last name, who was like the big wig of top five people at NASA. And they used to call when they were doing 2001 A Space Odyssey, they used to call what was going on in London, NASA East. So it was heavily, they were, there's all kinds of technology transfers and uh, film technology that Kubrick was had access to that if his affiliation with NASA didn't exist, he wouldn't have had. Mm-hmm. So, and then it's like, okay, there's something weird with, with Kubrick and JFK and like Lee Harvey Oswald, because the, the manager at the Overlook Hotel is like, he looks like JFK and he has like the toupee and everything. And the whole movie, The Shining is like about Apollo to me, at least. Right, and so, right? mm-hmm. and then like the, 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 um, sweater Danny's wearing with the rocket on it and all these connections back to Apollo. And then it's like, okay, so we have this Arthur C. Clarke, NASA, JFK, Stanley Kubrick, occulted pedophile, like Babylon bunch who are bringing us all these like occulted things and we just sit in the movie theater and we watch it and we're like dang that was a scary movie and then we go home and we live our lives completely ignorant of of it it's just it's crazy to me sometimes when you sit back and you really think of all these connections i agree but i mean i think that's really the power in the occult right because occult just means like hidden, hidden. right so Mm-hmm. The occultists are watching these movies like Ninth Gate and Eyes Wide Shut and nodding along because they get it because they've been initiated one way or the mm-hmm. other. Whereas the public's like, wow, that's mysterious. Wow, what's this in Eyes Wide Shut? What's all this stuff? And then the, the people who are inside, they just, they probably were outraged. I really think Kubrick, there's some questions about him, but I do think Eyes Wide Shut was an attempt to tell the public what the elites, the upper echelons of the elites were really like. I think rituals. that's, I think it, it killed him. I think that movie got him suicided or well, whatever, you I'm know. I'm not surprised that we know that that, that his original copy was never published. They edited stuff out. So we don't even know what they edited out. What he left was incredible. You have to give Kubrick credit for his intelligence and his kind of classical sensibilities where he knew so much about art and symbolism and psychology and all that stuff. So when I, I did the four hours of analysis on Eyes Wide Shut, because there's so much there, it's all there, and it's real. And it, the end goes back to those those uncomfortable themes, where the mm-hmm. young girl gets led off by the rich guy. And I almost think that it's more than you know what I was taught. What I was talking about, it's more of like they're your children are being born to serve this elite pyramid people at the top of the elite mm-hmm. pyramid. And you'll never know it. And I think that that's really what, at the end, what Kubrick was really trying to impart is this mm-hmm. is their culture. Your kids will be sent off and you're all being distracted by carnal ideas. And you're well, yeah, that. Culture. And I think that in the original cut, in the beginning, when, when Nicole Kidman is dancing with the red Pope guy, I think she accepted the invitation to go upstairs 
And I think she was at the, the ceremony, the ritual. I think she was one of the naked girls with the mask on in the original. And I think that she, because when she's talking to him at the party, he's like, well, why are you married? And she's like, well, why wouldn't I be married? And it, it's kind of her saying like, you're right. Like, why am I married? I'm, I'm so hot and I'm way better looking than Tom Cruise. <laughs> like it was just like this funny back and forth. And then it was just like, no, I can't go with you. I'm sorry. But at the same time, the two models are taking Tom Cruise through the lobby and he's like, where are we going? And they're like over the rainbow. So I feel like they were getting initiated. And in the original, they, they were a part of it. Interesting. But they they kind of scrambled it up when they took all the edits out and they made it to where she never went upstairs. He never went with the models. And like when he gets to the I 100 percent believe Nicole Kidman was one of the naked ladies with the mask on. Interesting. That's fascinating. No, I agree with that. And that's kind of one of the things I learned is that her she has that dream where she's in she's like in a sexual situation. Mm-hmm. And it indicates that she was in one of the some type of ritual like that before. Yes, but, and so I don't know if you're familiar with like Jay Widener at all. I know Jay Widener. So he kind of has his own theories too, and he claims that there were these scenes that were like monarch mind control programming um, dream scenes that were taken out, but he claims that they showed them in France, and then. They were like, okay, nope, 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 take it out. And so it was only shown in France. They cut all those monarch mind control scenes out. And then what we got is what you can get on HBO right now, you know? So never heard that. I've never heard that. Yeah. And so I think that they they took them out because when she's laughing in her sleep and she's having like that weird dream and she's like laughing and he walks in the room and she's asleep, but it shows kind of like a dream scene, but I think that's where they pulled all those bits out is, is when she was sleeping and kind of like dream. Oh, and they were all laughing at me and I was naked. And it's like, Oh, like at the ritual, <laughs> it's like this, she's describing the ritual in her dream. But I mean, project Monarch was literally about taking attractive women kind of like Marilyn Monroe and, and infiltrating in like a sex kitten operation, which is like eyes wide shut with the beautiful women. They're getting initiated and it's like this, this monarch thing all on all over again. And so at the end of eyes wide shut, you see the little girl, she's walking through the toy shop and there's teddy bears everywhere. And I don't know if you remember, but doesn't the little girl get like led off with a couple of guys, just random guys? They're not random because those two guys are in the very introductory scene with Ziegler, right? They go to Ziegler's mansion. That's like the very beginning. They're getting dressed up to go to Ziegler's mansion. Those two guys are there at the end. So they're part of either the cult or they're the elite. And so she's going off, not with random guys. She's going off with some some old dudes from Ziegler's party. So again, that's why I feel like Nicole Kidman was part of the ritual because it's almost like she set it up for them to come and get, she was like, we'll be at the mall at two, come and get my kid, you know? And it's, it's just all part of like this, this pedophile sex ritual occulted thing that they do. And it was filmed at like a Rothschild's mansion. Right. 
so it like it all ties back in together but whatever we do in this world everyone needs to know that whether you believe in god or not they believe in their side (laughs) so it's like if they believe in it it's for a reason right i mean and i think that at the very end the ending sequence when tom cruise comes to realize everything and he's with ziegler there he Kubrick is showing us who these people are. They're all mm-hmm. old line families and that they own you. They really owned Harford, right? Mm-hmm. And he was, and he's kind of even kind of like a, he's kind of would be like to the common person, kind of an elite person because he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. that that's a very important chosen profession for Kubrick because he's trying to show you something above that. Like that there's so like an old I, line um, powerful money to leave. Mm-hmm. I actually <clears throat> said that in an episode that I did all about like Stanley Kubrick because it just fascinates me. And I said, I feel like Stanley shows us himself through a lot of his movies. And so just like Kubrick, so it, Jack Nicholson will only ever be the caretaker of the Overlook. And Tom, uh, Tom Cruise will only ever be the house doctor to the elites. Right. So it's like Stanley Kubrick is involved, but he's never accepted into the inner circle. He serves them, but he's always just on the outside observing. I agree. So it's a really good observation. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's the same thing in, in 2001. And he probably did something for the moon landing and he was never, he was the smart one. They were relying upon him, but he wasn't one of the, you know, people who can trace themselves back to Jacques de Molay or something like that. (laughs) Did you know, um, in 2001, it was supposed to be Saturn? No. No, Yes. So there were a few technical people who came out. I think one guy's name was, I don't remember his name, but he, he said, I worked on Saturn for a year. And then Kubrick came in and told me, throw it out and make it Jupiter. Wow. And so like the Saturnian death cult stuff and they were supposed to be going to the black moon of Saturn. And in the book, they do go to the black moon of Saturn. Right. Right. So the book is the book is instructive because Clark mm-hmm. was writing different stuff and he puts tons of occult things in there, too. So. Mm-hmm. And originally, there's a book by Benson, I can't remember the name of the title, but they were going to have a black cube of Saturn to be the, mon- the monolith. So it wasn't going to mm-hmm. be a monolith, but then they made the monolith 11 feet high, right? So right. Number of, mag- <laughs> number of magic, number of the New World Order. So they're putting And it then in we there. get Crowley again. <laughs> right. So you're into this whole theme in 2001. That movie ties into the events of 9-11 in a, in a symbolic way, no question in my mind. But mm-hmm. because they were writing, if you look at the, at the when they were prepping to make 2001, they were in New York City as the Twin Towers were being built. So they probably mm-hmm. knew a lot about what was going on. And, no, yeah. yeah. And it's all connected. Everything is connected. That's why. So I, I knew I was going to talk to you and I've been listening to your stuff for forever. So I was try- trying to jam it all into this one conversation. But I was like, I know he knows a lot about Johnny Depp and like West Memphis three. And with he's popular again all of a sudden. And then I've noticed like when something like this goes on, it's like, oh, it's time to give Johnny Depp a payday. All of his movies go sky high. 
You know what I mean? Like, oh, everybody wants to watch Edward Scissorhands all of a sudden, and they haven't watched it since 1980. That's a good point. That's a really good point. mm -hmm. So he's, he's, he's coming back into the spotlight and it's, it's weird. And they're, they're making Amber Heard out to be the abuser and it's like toxic femininity now (laughs) where it was toxic masculinity like two weeks ago. And they diagnosed her with a bunch of like disorders too, right? Mm-hmm. It's so it's, it's so interesting and convoluted, but at the end of the day, all I can do is like present the information that I've gathered, and whatever you choose to do with it is up to you at that point. But I feel like you and I are kind of like minded in the fact that if you bother to look into it at all, you can uncover some truths in there that aren't just readily available to the public. Yeah, you start to see connections. There's definitely personal connections and ideological connections too between a lot of these guys. So that's, that's kind of the mystery. They don't quite tell it to you uh, openly, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on under the surface. There's a lot mm-hmm. of going on. And they've been so, doing it forever. I mean, when yeah. did Rosemary's baby come out? Was it 69? <laughs> yeah. It's an old it. movie. I don't remember the exact, I should know. But I think the book came out in the mid in the sixties, right? Mm. But uh, that one actually, in my opinion, Rosemary's Baby has it uh, came out in nineteen sixty eight. It has a very deep meaning because it's not just about the birth of the Satan's baby; it's she's symbolically giving birth to kind of the new age. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the subtext of the whole thing, and guys totally involved, but she's giving birth to. The satanic era, years, year zero, right? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. The first time I ever watched that movie, because my mom was really into horror movies, I was like, Mom, I don't know if I should be watching this right now. And she was like, oh, it's just a scary movie. But it's like, okay, so she got raped by the devil. And now she's giving birth to the Antichrist. I was like, I don't know. This is deep. But they, they, it's like eyes wide shut. It's not a casually made film. Every every sequence, every shot has something occult, mm-hmm. occulted or d- a darker meaning, or even the bookshelves, the jewel. I mean, the jewelry, the furniture. Mm-hmm. It's really something else. Like Do you there. think that there's any symbology in the fact that her hair is so short? It might be like there might be something there that I don't know, but I think like she's like the Scarlet Woman, just like. Nicole Kidman and Eyes Wide Shut. They both have red mm-hmm. hair. They wear red clothes. You know, so I think that they're it's uh thought they they thought a lot about it. But I don't have know you been working doing. on anything recently? Oh, I'm always kind of working. I'm trying <laughs> to get back to kind of write. I was originally really just a writer, and then I started doing this podcast, and then it got kind of a little bit of traction. So I've been doing a lot of interviews. But I want to get back to writing. I'm really trying to finish like three books this this year. <laughs> I think it might be a little overambitious, but I really just have to sit down and start writing again. But uh, well, I hope you do. I'm your number one fan. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I just need. To, I do. Ha- I do have a little bit of uh, procrastination, and I'll always try to do something else before I have to sit down and write. Whether it's check out social media or something like that. So I definitely have. I don't have writer's block. I have something like, okay, I've got to sit down. <laughs> you know. 
it's all in my brain. It just, I just have to get it on paper, but uh, well, yeah. I really kind of want to tell everyone, like- um, tell everyone a little bit about where they can look up your videos and stuff. If they want to dive into like West Memphis and, and, and you do the smiley face killers too. Right. So I do, I did, I have five documentaries on Vimeo, two on smiley face killers, one on, uh, children of the beast, Prophet of Evil, one on Occult Hollywood, where I, co- I try to cover some stuff from Rosemary's Baby and Eyes Wide Shut, but I've learned so much now, I probably should go back and do that. So there's five videos on Vimeo, uh, five books, and you can get books through my website, William Ramsey Investigates, and then I've had like 650 episodes on my podcast broadcast, which is William Ramsey Investigates, where I cover a lot of different subjects. It's not just the occult, cover history, parapolitics uh books could be anything you know adventure books a guy mm-hmm. interviewing a guy tomorrow who drove his motorcycle all through south america so it's there's a little bit of something there for every everything everybody and i also put some of my old interviews like since i've been kind of doing interviews since 2010 i've just have this kind of i have a hundreds of interviews. yeah i have a collection mm-hmm. of discussions on a variety of stuff similar to this one so if people are interested in that they can check that out at william ramsey investigate on spotify i just moved to spotify uh two or three months ago so and you're also on apple because that's where i found you and um let me ask you the honorary question before we go okay what's your favorite scary movie i always liked evil dead (laughs) i think that one's pretty scary yeah did you like the the remake I have to, I haven't watched the remake. The original one okay, was scary don't. enough. The the original one was scary enough. I'd really think Evil Dead is good, but I, I that's what just came to mind first the first time. I it was something that was really I think that the the whole transformation like this this it took the spooky house to the next level. Like the the girl <laughs> underneath underneath the board screaming yes. out. So like. It was good. I, I no, like the yeah. guy who was the actor in that too. I forgot his name, but yeah. And he, I he think my right my favorite is probably The Shining, but I love Evil Dead as well. It's like a classic. Uh, Kubrick's films are so good. They're so rich in meaning and like psychology and mm-hmm. about human behavior, behavior modification. Even like even Clockwork Orange is about behavior modification. I so, think it's yeah. about mind control and what yeah. they did to, I don't know how far down the rabbit hole you ever got on this, but I think they've clockwork orange, like the astronauts from the Apollo mission. They may have MK'd the whole country. It's <laughs> really scary. Yeah. So before we go, so. have you seen um, Dr. Sleep? Yeah, I saw that. There was a smiley face in it too, right? The one with you and McGregor. Um, it came out like in 2021, I think, Dr. or 2020. Yeah, I think I watched Doctor Sleep. Yeah, Doctor Sleep with Ewan McGregor. He has he's like drawing on the board. He puts a smiley face. On oh, it. oh, okay. I didn't know his Sorry. name, but um. So, it's what do you think about like the the child sacrifice and all that in there? The little little hint to the that scene was brutal. <laughs> I'll have to go back and watch that. Maybe I missed that. I don't remember. Oh, William, you have to go back and watch that and do an episode on it. It's crazy, Colton. There's so much work. So much work, so little time. 
But I, I've but, done like five shows on occult influence on Ninth Gate, Rosemary's Baby. I finished the second part today, and then four hours of Eyes Wide Shut. So people can check that out. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much there, so much there to unpack. I agree. Any closing thoughts? No, it's great to talk with you. I feel like I'm t- talking to somebody who knows all the stuff that I know. So it's, it's <laughs> really nice to talk with you. Good question. Oh too. yeah. And thank you so much. Um, and everyone needs to go and find you on Spotify and Apple and also on Instagram. Instagram too. Yeah, I'm trying to post on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. I kind of got back, crawled back on Twitter and Facebook after I destroyed my my <laughs> my social media in an act of frustration and outrage at big tech. But uh, I'm back into the digital gulag to subvert it, not to not to build it. So. Well, Instagram is a hell of a Trojan horse as well, but I, I, they, I'm glad you're on there. My attitude is if they take anything away from me, they're doing me a, a benefit. So it's not <laughs> like where I'm relying on them now. Like, okay, yeah. you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't have all of my eggs in one basket anymore. So That's good. That's good. And you have your own website. So if all Indeed. else fails, so then I'll put it there. I'll put all my stuff there. People can research it. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Ramsey. I really enjoyed our conversation. And to all the listeners, thank you so much and have a great night.